days, but nothing changed, less you change What's around you, how you think, how you live, how you speak, how you walk, how you blank, how you talk, how you teach, how you reach, let it sink What's your purpose, what's your passion, through the pain, what's your plan, is it plain, on a plane, how's your plane, I'm just playing What's your purpose, what's your passion, did it end? Now plugged in with Molly and Joe. This is week number four, I believe. This is show number four, right? So basically, this is show number four, and this one is a little, little, little special because we want to talk about uh, the psychology of disunity amongst our people. Um, that's a big topic, and we have. Um, Dr. John on with us later on. We're gonna, you know, we're gonna speak on these things. But um, Joe, what, what's going on with you, man? This is our introductory minute. So, what's, what's going on with you this week? Listen, this has been a week for the dogs, if you will. <laughs> it's been a long week, just a very productive, but long. It's just the energy didn't feel right at all. So. I'm glad to be in my space. I call this my cantoma, my peace, my, you know, my energy. So I'm glad to be here and I'm ready to get rocking and rolling. We got a lot of stuff to talk about and a lot of stuff to discuss. Okay. Um, if anybody want to take a listen, if it's out live or what have you, you can go to the Evening Rush Network um, on Facebook. Um, that's the quickest and easiest way that I know of at this moment, at this very moment. Um, I'm trying to share it live on, on um, as well. Um, but um, so, Joe, tell me about um, about your the, the, about. Oh well, the thing I want to speak on um, is that my my um, band, Vampire Marching Elite. Um, performed this past week, and it was kind of, you know, it was kind of, it was kind of cool. It was kind of, you know, it was kind of, it was kind of humbling as well to see them, you know, to see them back in action. Because we, you know, through the pandemic, we sitting there and we trying to practice, we trying to do everything according to the law and according to everything that's going on. And to see them grow through all the adversity was kind of, you know, humbling for me this past weekend. So. That was my, you know, that was what was going on in the past week for myself, you know? I hear you. Just um, a lot of leadership stuff on my on my half, just getting people engaged and getting people um, uh, on my level in regards to work. And it's a good feeling when you have a great team around you and you have people that are willing to do the work or share the movement, as we I like to say. So that was a good accomplishment for me. It's challenging at times, but it comes with the territory. Yeah, yeah. Because the thing about this introduction is, is that we really want to jump into the topic because it's, 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 it's a very important topic right now because there's a lot of disunity in our community. There's a lot of... Um, hate that goes around or towards one another. People don't understand what support is. People don't understand what, you know, what 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 dreaming and what 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 believing in one another is all about. You know, so we want to just give our our viewers, our listeners a little idea of the psychological factors that goes into the disunity that has plagued us 
for so long. But first, what I would like to do is I would like to go into a clip of this past weekend's performances with TEME. Um, and I'm going to have you. That's that was awesome. <laughs> Yo, man, that's my, you know, sometimes I get a little, I get a little, 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 little jittery inside because of that, because of that program, Big Apple Leadership Academy for the Arts, you know, shameless plug, as they say. <laughs> but we are here, plug, you are now plugged in with Molly and Joe. And um, we're going to go to our next segment, which is our paying homage to the ancestors and who is the ancestor we are paying homage to today. Today, our ancestor is the father of the Pan-Africanism movement, the Honorable Marcus Messiah Garvey. Yeah. Yes. Kudos, claps for that. Claps for that. Yes, yes. yes. Marcus Garvey was a Jamaican born black nationalist and the leader of the Pan-African movement, which sought to unify and connect people of African descent worldwide. Mm -hmm. He was responsible for a lot of the, the energy in the United States at the time where we were trying to find our way. He offered us a way to find our, get show pride for ourselves, our heritage, and also understanding where we come from. And he was very encouraging into getting people to find out about their inner selves, their history, their heritage at a time when this country wasn't really favoring us very well. So kudos to the Honorable Marcus Messiah Garvey for that. And we need a lot of his energy right now because we're still in a place where we need to learn about ourselves. We need to find our roots and we need to invest in ourselves. And the Pan-Africanist movement is very important for that. So for me, Marcus Garvey was a symbolism of unity. His whole, his whole idea, his whole being, everything that he was about was for the unification of the black man or the nation of black folk. in America to, to basically adopt us. He had to go, trying to go back to Africa, you know, in a mass movement as well. Um, I, you know, I, 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 I have a, I have a soft heart when it comes to a Marcus Garvey because before there was, you know, Black Panthers, before there was, a, you know, Malcolm or Martin, there was Marcus Garvey. Garvey. And um, a lot of people, a lot of people don't know about enough about Marcus Garvey. A lot of people don't know about a lot of his movements. A lot of people don't know a lot about his, his vision and his beliefs. Um, like, um, he believed that we should return to our homeland of Africa. 
And um, he wanted to do that. He um, started the Universal Negro Improvement Association, the UNIA, um, in 1914, now you're talking about this is er, you know early 1900s where 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 racism was rampant at the time. But right. he stood in his glory. He stood in his strength. He stood on his own two feet and said, "Yo, nah, I'm going to push for this in a time where listen, they wasn't even they wasn't letting up then. You know what I mean? You thought it you thought it was bad in the 50s and the 60s, right? That's right. <laughs> in the 19 Mm-hmm. Listen, I, I always say that prejudice and racism is recycled every 20 or 30 years. There's something that comes up now. It's more nicer now. And when I mean by nicer, it is not as violent as it was when it comes to the lynchings and the beatings and things like that. I mean, if you want to say gun violence as opposed to physical violence, you could say that. But I think it's just every 20 years, there's something that happens to let us or let us remind ourselves that nothing changes racially but the weather you know and, and it's still there for us to be fighting for things that our ancestors were fighting for a century ago because they're pretty much fighting for the same things right and right. the fact that we're still fighting for it it goes to show you nothing's really changed that much right and being that we have the outside forces that are against us more time than than, than not my 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 problem with the whole thing is the fact that we think that we have time to not be, you know, together in uh, at all. Where we have this this thing of disunity, where we're not united as a people or as a nation or as a country or as anything. When it comes, you know, when unit when unity is the be- is, is what you know is the is the most beautiful thing when it comes down to to, to existence. You know what I mean? Because we're able to work with one another. Like you look at the ants, you know what I mean? They work in such a unified form that, listen, it's like, yo, what, what you know, like you can, like it even says in people's Bible that you look into the ant, you know what I mean? For, for example, in life. So, and they are unified. They will make sure they, you know, they, they have to get a bridge. They'll, they'll, they'll make a bridge themselves. You know what I mean? If they'll go get food, they send, send, send the soldiers out to go get the food. So when they bring the food back, the soldiers that went and got the food don't sit there and be like, "Well, I should get more than the rest of y'all because we went out there and got it." We, we yes. no, it's a it's a it's a unit. It's a it's it's a one goal, one common goal. You know what I mean? So it you know it, it it's crazy how we sit here and think we you know have the audacity to think that we don't belong unified, that we have the the audacity to be arguing amongst each other, the audacity. To sit here and get confused about a message that one man might be bringing or next man might be bringing because yeah. there is no malice in my heart towards any other man and i hope that it's not the same towards me you know what i mean because all of all of my intent is real i'm all about unity you know what i mean well listen our story dictates our future you can't judge a per- the person based on their story. You can only tell your story and hope that people are listening to it, take something from it, and they might not agree with it, but it's your story. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes you who you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I have a little credit in here. <laughs> My grandson happened to make a cameo appearance. So I'm trying to I'm trying to usher him. <laughs> He's laughing with me now. So come come Legend. Since you since you're here, right? Let's, let's say hello to everybody, right? Let's yeah. see the legacy right there. Yeah. Legacy? yeah, this is Legend, right? His name is Legend. Legend. And that's what this is what it's really all about, right? Right, guy? Hmm? 
Say what's up. Say what's up to everybody. Say hi. All right. Now you got to go. All right. Cameos. Yeah. Cameos. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know. You never know what kind of star you get coming up in our show. You know what I'm saying? Yes. It's little dudes, you know, all that good, all that, all that other good stuff. But um, so back to what we were talking about. Marcus Garvey and his and his mission for unification of the black man and taking us back to Africa. How realistic was that to you? It was realistic because it was happening. He was the first to have black owned businesses. He was the first to encourage all of that within each other. Like he had the blueprint, the Pan-Africanist movement, the UNIA had the blueprint for it. But unfortunately, due to past, um, due, due to people who didn't want us there, FBI, CIA, they deterred our mission. They deterred the Pan-Africanist mission. So it was real. It's just the fact that many people weren't on board. And I'm not talking about the people who were Pan-Africanists. I'm talking about people who saw us as a threat, who saw us as villains, who saw us as evil. But it was real, and it's very real. It can happen, but it takes the population to understand that you can you can mutiny, you can overthrow, you can rebel, but you have to be enforced. You've got to be determined to do that. And I think we can do it again. But we just have to be strong in our belief and not let anything deter us from what we believe. Is it about going back to Africa? I think it's about understanding your heritage and where you come from. You don't necessarily have to go where you come from to understand it. You just have to know it. And if you know it, you you have pride. You have confidence. I mean, I personally would like to go back to where I came from to see what the differences is between there and now. But I think if you know about it, then you're great. I think I think that's the start. Mm. Okay. So my thing is, um, there's there's a lot that don't want to go back. Um, you know, in that sense, you know, in that same in that same vein, there's a lot of there's a lot about people who you know through actions showed us many ways that they don't want to go nowhere near you know back home. They're 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 very much plugged in and in tune with. Um, in tune with what's going, you know, what's what's happening here, and then on the flip side, a lot of Africans don't want us there either. So they think we're too, they think we're too uh, westernized, if you will, and we'll disrupt the pro, we'll deconstruct the construct that they have there, and that's really what it's about. But I think if people were interested in what they did, then you could, um, if if you're interested, find an interest and enjoy it and and be part of it. Well, that might be a topic for that might be a topic for another time because I do believe Ghana was talking about saying we could come over there or something like yeah. that, something to that vein. But as we as we as we approach um, our very first guest, all right, um, we're going to bring in our first guest, Dr. Melissa Sue John, PhD. She's a wife, a mother, social psychologist, racial equity coach, author, and publisher. She earned her doctoral degree at the University of Connecticut. Was that stores? Stores. Okay. And I would like you to introduce. Hello, we're waiting for her. We're waiting. Dr. We're John. Waiting. Dr. John. Dr. Calling. Calling, Calling Dr. Dr. John. Uh, Calling Dr. John. <laughs> Here I am. Hi. Thank you so much for having me tonight. All right. Thanks. Thank you for being here, Dr. John. Dr. John, how are you today? I'm doing so well. Thank you. All right, all right. 
Um, we appreciate you. We, you know, we're humble for you coming on our show. You know, we are, we are, we're, we're in our infancy, as they say. And, yes. you know, we know that you, you know, take what you do seriously. Um, but what our, our topic is today is the psychology of disunity. And we have some questions for you. I mean, if you want to just address what you think about the psychology of disunity is from, from, you know, from your standpoint, and then we'll just, you know, come behind you and maybe drop a little few, few questions or have, you know, have what we have on our minds. Awesome. So when we think about disunity, I want us to think about it as, is it, is it an actual process where everyone as a collective is dis, is not in unity with others or is it that there's some people that aren't in unity is it a systemic thing or an individualistic thing and when i think about it i really think of it from a historical perspective where where did it start so when i think about it i say all right so the 1920s we have blacks free trying to integrate trying to go to white businesses and they weren't welcomed you know the n-word is not welcomed here right so being disinvited or dismissed or pushed away, we were forced to unify. We were forced to support each other and we became self-sufficient. And when the white people realized that we were gaining wealth, which they didn't want, they destroyed us. They begrudgingly found ways to destroy our establishment. So we had Black Wall Street. We had Tulsa, Mm -hmm. right? We supported each other, but then we no longer had Black successful black neighborhoods, successful black communities. And that forced us into integration. So that's a historical perspective. But in terms of the psychological perspective, how do you divide a people? How do you make people feel like they're less than, that they're inferior, right? You divide them, you separate them. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes we internalize that racism. So we look at each other as we don't see each other as wor- worthy. We don't see each other as valuable. What are the comments that you hear often why we don't support black businesses, bad customer service, bad products, too expensive. But where do these these thoughts, comments, statements come from? It's us internalizing the racism that black isn't strong, good, worthy. Okay. Go ahead, Joe. Well, I think a lot of the um, the comments that are being made in regards to black businesses, like you said, it comes from those outside of us that experience us and may have had these uh, kind of annotations in regards to black businesses. But a lot of it is also uh, due to jealousy, due to uh, hate that breeds because of people being successful. Um, Mm -hmm. They're not willing to support our businesses because they weren't able to get that uh, business themselves. So a lot of it just comes from um, envy. I, I personally believe so. My- no, I totally agree. I do believe there's a subsection of people that are jealous. They say, but Joe, you and I went to school together. How are you doing so much better than I? My little, how come, why are you doing better than me? So there is that proportion of people that are jealous. But what about those that might be protecting each other? Let me give a story. So Barack Obama ran for president and some black people didn't vote for him. And they might think that they're doing him a favor. Why? because they're afraid that he will be assassinated. So one person might say, oh, you're jealous of this black man. You don't want to support black people. But another person might be like, I'm doing him a favor. So when you look at all the people that have been successful, whether it's Marcus Garvey, Malcolm X, Martin Luther King, all the people that have tried to push us forward, what happened to them? So on one hand, it could be hate and jealousy and envy and misery. 
But on the other hand, there's this concept of black protectionism. And it's hard to truly know what's in a man's heart. So we can look at someone else and say, you're jealous of me. But another time it could be like, they're afraid of what could happen to you if you truly gain that success. So when you speak on the origins of this unity, we can take it back, I say further back from the 20s, you could go back to slavery where it was embedded in us to be this, to, 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 to not unite, to not, it was, it was in their best interest for the slave master's interest to have us not unite. All right. Because if we were to unite, we would be a problem to their to their to their cause, to the to the structure of what they're trying to do. Um, so if we're going back to slavery, um, the origins that of this union of the black community, so we're saying cultural ideology, individualism versus collectivism. Okay. Um, we got political ideology, Republican versus Democrat. It's always a separate, it's always a, a, a it's always some way to separate us and to have us in a divide. You know what I mean? Um, so, so can you speak to towards individualism and co and collectivism? Collectivism. Marcus Kideyama, a professor of psychology, basically analyzed that societies either have an individualistic perspective or collectivistic society. In the U.S., when I do well, it's because I worked hard. In mm -hmm. other cultures, when they do well, it's because my community worked pushed hard. me. My mm -hmm. sensei, my teacher, right? We give credit to our community. What that leads to is either harmony in a co collectivistic culture or division and independence. Now, Black people have never truly been afforded the privilege of individualism. However, we strive towards it, right? We strive to this American dream of the house and the picket fence and having agency and freedom. So we strive for the things that we see that the white man has, but the white man culture is not our culture. Our culture is about solidarity and harmony. Mm -hmm. So we're in this middle ground where we're like, we don't know who we are. We don't know who we want to be. Mm, so we, I, so we having an identity crisis in a, in a sense. Just saying. Yeah, we don't know our history. If you came over as an involuntary immigrant, you're literally coming over as an enslaved person. You don't know your history. You don't know your roots, and then you're planted here, and you're expected to do well even though you've had everything against you, all the barriers. So then, you know, you're going to strive to be like the country that you're literally living in. So that, that leads me to this whole concept of Republicans versus Democrats. So you have political ideology where that, that leads towards separate, that leads towards separatism and towards um, disunity as well. No, I agree completely. Sometimes people say, how can you be a black Republican? When you listen to a black conservative, what they're saying are things like, well, we push for pulling up yourself by the bootstraps. This whole myth of meritocracy. If you work really hard, we'll do well. I've heard Black Republicans say things like Democratic parties are not good for us because they're going to maintain us on welfare. They're going to maintain our dependency on them, right? So you can see how these ideologies can be posited as either something good or something bad. Like dependency is a good thing. But when Republicans talk about it, they make it sound like a bad thing. Like you're not going to be able to survive on your own. Or, or, or bring yourself up, rather. But the thing about that whole pull yourself up by your bootstraps, if you don't have bootstraps, you can't pull them up. <laughs> absolutely. Yes, what? that is absolutely true. Now, what I will, I'll say in regards to uh, political ideologies is a lot of it's based on classism and levels. Like, what bootstraps do you have? Like, if you come from the Republican, you'll probably have a pair of bootstraps that somebody gave to you 
that you didn't have to put on. But if you're a Democrat, you're trying to find a pair of boots to wear. <laughs> you right. know, so it, right. it it really does depend on where you come from and the level of life that you live, and that's what make you know that's what makes the political ideologies relatable. Mm-hmm. So does internalized racism have a play a part in this? Meaning we we do it to ourselves. You know what I mean? In in a sense where it's like, okay, well that person is light skinned or that person is dark skinned. Is that is that? I mean, like. We're like, like how much, how much more layers do we put? What, 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 what do we put on ourselves? You know, what I mean, when we already got the, we already got the people outside of, uh, outside of us that's that's against us. You know what I mean? We talk about the white man. We talk about the powers that be. We talk about the elite. We talk about all of these things that's against us. The system internalized racism, like the Willie, like where the Willie Lynch letters is 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 based from, like that 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 thing where it's embedded in us. You know what I mean? Not to look out for us. Where does that play a part in 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 in, our, in this unity in our community? So let's break it down for our listeners. So there are four types of racism. There's individual racism, where what are the stereotypes that I have about different groups or about myself? Then there's interpersonal. What are the what are the ways in which we act out those stereotypes? So if I see a black man, do I cross the street? Do I hug my bag a little closer? Do I lock my door? Right. So that's actually how I treat people. Then there's the institutional, which is like oh, women couldn't vote or um, blacks couldn't go to certain schools or, you know, the segregation. So there's that. But then what if those three things start to come embedded in the people who are themselves victims of racism? That's what we mean by internalized racism. And how did that start? There's these ideas that Willie Lynch came up with this whole, these letters to tell slaves how to exploit black people and how to ensure that they hated themselves. And they did that by dividing us, by the light skin and the dark skin. You had the house Negroes and you had the field Negroes. Mm-hmm. And basically they created disunity amongst us and mm-hmm. that p- continued to perpetuate later in life where we have organizations such as sororities and fraternities. We would have clubs and organizations and we'd say, if you're not as light as my palm or if you're not lighter than a paper bag, you can't enter. So we internalized the very thing that was meant to harm us. Well, the brown paper bag test is interesting. The reason why is because if if it came to fruition, I wouldn't be accepted in society because I'm darker than a brown paper bag. But if Molly was uh, to, to to test, I think he would be fine because his his complexion is lighter than mine. So when you hear things like that, that goes. When I used, I remember the memes about team light skin versus team dark skin, and that was. It's internalized racism. That was people feeding the genre, feeding the hype, saying that this is what it means, not realizing that they're doing that to themselves. So when yeah. you have oh, like things brown, brown skin boys are in one year, then dark skin guys are boys, in one year. Yeah, like listen, a trend. And, we, and 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 our people do it. The females do it. One year, right. one year they, they want Wesley Snipes. Next year they want they you know they want they want they want you know some 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 they want they want Drake the next year. Next year they yeah. want. They want Little Wayne, and the next year they want Bruno Mars. You'd be like, "Oh, what's going right. on here?" You know what I mean? So yeah. And then the funny part is, we play into it as men. We'd be sitting there like, "Yo, yeah, you, you dark, darky," and then we'd be like, "Oh, you, you, you mind you, being light skinned is akin to being sensitive, whereas being dark skinned is being akin to being strong, I'm telling you, I've seen the <laughs> and we do it to ourselves time and time again. again. Like, 
like the parents, the parents do it to us. Like the parents sit there and you know, you got little kids and you got and they buy them white dolls instead of buying them black dolls or looking for dolls. the black dolls or never buying them a white doll. Just say forget it. We ain't even gonna get dolls, period. But they perpetuate the the the, the, the disunity by having us, by having us, you know, by having us sit there and, and fight a fight amongst us, you know, fight amongst ourselves. Like, okay, what's 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 the what's good? What's good? in that sense and that's the parents that's the parents fault a lot of it is the parents doing you know what i mean because if you look at it through history if you're talking about hundreds of years ago you're talking about 200 years you're talking about from 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 slavery we're talking about parents just just straight down the line just passing on the bs yes passing yes it's not just the system that does it to us it's not just the system that does it to us. It is our own doings that we do it to ourselves. You know what I mean? I totally agree with you. But remember, trauma is intergenerational. So we can transfer through our genes, not just through our experiences. Oh. We don't really want to blame the parents too much, right. you know. But I do agree with you. I know that there are parents that say things like, don't sit out in the sun. You'll get too dark, right? Mm -hmm. What are we telling our kids about what's valuable, right? Mm -hmm. Or... um. I've heard things, I'm from the Caribbean, I'm from Jamaica. I've heard things like nothing that good or nothing too dark, not good, which means if you're too dark, you're not worthy. So mm -hmm. how do kids overcome that? And then when you start to see like black men dating white women and, and black women feeling like, oh my God, my black, the black men don't love us. Why right. do they feel the need to, right? Because they, they were taught that. So they have a dark skinned mom, but yet they want to date the lightest woman they can find. Mm -hmm. Wow, Dr. Melissa. Give us one second, because what we're going to do in about 30 to 20 seconds, we're going to go into our commercial break and we're going to bring you back in and we're going to continue this this, this wonderful conversation. I hope everyone is tuning in. Everybody's paying attention because this unity is one of the things that's taking us down. Forget the system. Forget everything else. It's the fact that we cannot unite as a people to do anything right. So with that, I would like this words from our sponsor. Looking to podcast shows and do not know where to start? The Evening Rush Network can help you with that. Call us at 929-441-2417 or email us at theeveningrushnetwork at gmail.com for dates and prices. We got you for all your podcast needs. The Evening Rush Network. Tune in, subscribe, and share. And we would like to see one more, one more thing from the Empire Marching Elite, please. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. 
why am I getting an echo? Why am I getting an echo? That was awesome. That was bro. awesome, bro. Something is going on. Something is going on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. I guess right. let's go. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Right. We have a technical difficulty. Um, but we want to carry. Um, but we want to carry. So what we're going to carry on with is our next question about this unity. Um, Dr. Melissa, what is perpetuating this this unity? So one of the things about stereotypes is that they help to maintain the status quo. So as long as black people continue to issue the same stereotypes, black people have bad customer service. I've been to white establishments that have bad customer service. Do I say all white stores have bad customer service? No. But then you go to one or two black businesses and you have bad customer service. You're like, well, I'm not going to give them my money. So this is, again, it comes back to the internalized racism. So I think the better question would be, how do we overcome this this um, issue of this unity? Because it all comes back to the same historical units. Okay. Another thing to consider is like, so, okay, one thing to say, bad service or bad products, you know, bad value. But why, why do we turn to our friends who are small business owners just starting and say, hey, bro, can I get a discount? Do we ask Michael Kors for a discount? Do we go to coach and get a coupon? No. No, Absolutely we, don't. Not. we don't. We don't go to any of these places asking for any handouts. or any. Matter of fact, I feel like we go to these places and take pride in the fact we can pay top dollar for it. I'm talking That's about right. the and the Gucci store and all that. They listen, the dudes be sitting there like, "What? Well, look at my Montclair coat. I paid every dime that they could ask for for this Montclair coat." coat. And guess yeah. what? Here, here go a brother that's that's struggling and trying to come up and do what they want to do. You know what I'm saying? Listen, they, uh, you know, uh, you got a discount from the door. They want a discount. Yeah. Montclair ain't never give a discount. And matter of fact, their discounts ain't really discounts because. When you're sitting there charging a thousand dollars for a coat, you tell me you're gonna take ten percent off, and it's <laughs> do the math. You know what I'm saying? That's still that's still a pricey coat. You know what I mean? So perpetuation. Listen, we do it like it's it's it's, it's us. To me, it's a lot of self infliction. You know what I mean? It, 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 we are self inflicting us. We 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 killing ourselves with the with the with the disunity, man. We got it. We got to get tighter, man, because. It costs nothing for likes. It costs nothing for shares. It costs nothing for for just support. It costs nothing to say congratulations. It costs nothing to say good job. It costs nothing to say, yo, I love this. It costs, yo, they have so many ways of monetizing off of just being unified. And that's the other nations. Just being unified, they are, they monetize off of these things. And we don't, we, we can't, we can't even figure it out. We can't even fathom it. There's people on TikTok right now eating shrimp. That's it. And they are going viral for eating shrimp sloppy. You understand? And they viral. And then here we are. Sitting there can't wow. even get, can't get can't get 10 likes on, on a topic like psychology of this community. You know what I'm saying? I think we're gonna get more than 10 likes. Yeah. What? Go ahead. <laughs> no, I think it all comes back to understanding and knowing our history. We can talk about this because we've examined and reflected the why. A lot of people just keep on going with the what. Like, mm. What's new? What's trendy? But no one really asks, why is this trendy? Why are we doing that? When we start to ask ourselves why and start to ask, where did I get these beliefs from? 
it really right. opens up our mindsets to overcome whatever trauma or whether it's black protectionism or envy or jealousy, whatever the reason, once we start asking, why do I not support my friend? Like, mm -hmm. it's is it because I don't have kids to buy her books? Is it because I'm not really into politics? So I don't listen to my friend Joe's show? Like, what is the reason? And when you start to realize that a lot of it is just excuses, it allows you to open up your mindset and change the way you think and walk and talk. It really comes down to mindset and mindset changes with education. People is need it, to read. Is it historically or aesthetically embedded in us? I think it is. I think it definitely is. is this well, a, I, go ahead, go ahead, Joe. Well, I think a lot of it comes from personal uh, value. I think I totally agree when you say that what's trendy is necessarily what's being followed, meaning that as long as other people like it, the population like it, it's going to succeed. It may not be the best thing in the world, but all it takes for people to say, I like that. I like that too. I like this too. And then it becomes so popular because it's the thing to do. It might not be the right thing to do, but it's the thing to do. So I've definitely seen a lot of that, but maybe uh, black businesses need to be more valued personally. We need to show people that we're just as bad, as good as the overpriced, overvalued situation. And I think that comes with a lot of it too, but you, it, 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 the story hasn't been told yet. So, Well, I mean, if they, the saying is first they laugh, then they copy, right? So it doesn't matter what kind of business you do. It doesn't really matter who you are. It's hard to start out. It's hard to get people to believe you. They laughed at Starbucks. They laughed at Amazon. Like, and they're white, right? So creating a new idea takes the general mass of people to take, it takes them a while to get on board. But once something gets popular, then you'll start to see your friends or your community support you. It's like the saying, a prophet is never welcome in his own home. You could be saying the most profound things. You could be giving truth for free and advice for free. I could tell all of you to buy this stock today. You wouldn't buy it because it came from me. Right. Then if I'm Tyler Perry or some rich person, then you're like, oh, Melissa, what was the advice you gave yesterday? So sometimes it's, you have to prove your worth. It's it's unfortunate, but it's also human nature. So, Personal value. Right. So, but how do we fight that? Because I, I suffer that. I suffer that daily. I mean, I'm sure Joe suffers that daily because, I mean, I'm I'm not, this is not for show. Like, I mean, this is, this is who, who we are. Like this we is, are. Yeah. We, 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 no, this comes through our pores. This is what we talk about on a regular basis. This is what, this is our lives. So therefore, why is it so hard for those closest to us to, 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 to gravitate to what we're trying to say? Like where, where, where does that come from? Like, where does that mindset come from? I think, I think mindset, right? I think a lot of, I think a lot of it has to do with the people that's following us. Like, if it's not somebody that they know or somebody that they value, they won't take value in it. So a lot of it is because there's not a person that they respect and idolize following us and saying, "Oh, I like this person." They can say, "Oh, maybe I should give that a shot." But a lot of that has to go. They need they need to hear from the people of power to say, "Oh, it's good." without hearing it themselves and saying, oh, I don't like this. Well, so I'll give a story that I that I from a, a book I read called Abundance by Lisa Nichols. And she said she 
started writing her book. She was going on book tour. She was traveling the world and she literally was flying somewhere and her family was having like a barbecue and she said she'd be there and they're emailing her, asking her or texting her, asking her if she's going to bring the pie. And she's just thinking to herself, like, I'm a world renowned speaker and my family's here asking me about the pie. Sometimes your family and friends can only see you as that little girl or little boy that they knew from high school or that they saw running around in the field. So they can't, even though you're doing your thing, you're running your podcast and you're a professor here, or you know, you're going to conferences, they don't see you in that light. So I, I don't take it personally anymore. And I had to learn that. But I, 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 me personally, I disagree with not taking it personally because you have so many other nations that do it. That, that, that seeing their little boys grow up to be professors and they support the fact that they're professors or seeing their little kids come up and be entertainers that support the fact that they're entertainers or see their little boys come up and just do absolutely the most asinine thing you could do on YouTube and they will support it. Um, we could go right now, right now we can go we can go on YouTube or TikTok and we will find someone in the millions of views for absolutely nothing. You understand? It's just a matter of like, why, how, like, what do other cultures do that strengthens their unity and that we need to follow and panic, and, you know, and pattern ourselves right. by? Like, what, 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 what's their secret, right? Their secret is they know their history, they know their culture, and they see themselves as one. Okay, so let me use another example. <laughs> so let's say there are three stores, three like markets on our streets, two Asian and one black. And you go to all of them and you see that one has lemons for 20 cents, the other has for 30 cents, and the black one has it for 60 cents. And in your mind, you're like, well, it's not that I don't want to support the black owned business, but 60 cents for one lemon. But what you don't understand is that those two Asian markets had combined their money and bought in bulk. So they were getting it for five cents a lemon, so they can easily sell it for 10 or 20. But this right. black person doesn't have the wealth and resources to be able to buy it bulk, so they have to sell it at 60 cents. But we're so it comes back to a survival mindset. Sometimes you can think about us versus them, but most people are in this me mindset. How can I make it today? Back in the day, when you think about like Bessie Coleman, the first female pilot, when you think about any of these first people, a lot of them in their narratives say, I wanted to do it for the race. We're not doing it for the race. We are doing it for ourselves. Mm. We're literally trying to get ourselves, our individual oh, identities. So is that, is that where the divide is? Is that when we were doing these things, whether it was to be successful, whether it was to get an education, whether it was to to make more money or to, to, to get ahead at any point, we were doing it for the people. At some time, at some point, our mindset changed is what you're saying. That, that's, that's the individualism, yes. Mm. Another thing well, too is, is fair and comfort. I was reading Harriet Tubman's story and imagine this woman sacrificing herself and she's helping people to get out of slavery and she's bringing her own brothers out. Do you know mm -hmm. they turned back? They mm -hmm. went back to slavery because they were comfortable. So when we think about this comfort mindset, this fear mindset, this survival mindset, a lot of it is rooted here. So the, the topic here, the psychology of disunity is because it's all here. Mm -hmm. and until you change this, we're mm -hmm. not going to be unified. At all. At all. At all. all at all what i have a question why why do we why are we for self what i mean by that is all do all the cons of being for self are they, is it all just cons maybe it's a matter of self-esteem or confidence i mean i can speak for myself personally 
I, I don't like to say I'm a self-made person, but a lot of my things I did to help myself get to where I am. Not to say that I'm not for the cause and I'm not for people, but maybe you have to build yourself to that level and then be able to become collective and give back to those because but maybe you're not getting that support from that anywhere. Too. Every so time we make it, we move to a nicer neighborhood. We don't stay and build our block. We don't say, I made it. I'm going to buy every house here and help my community out. We leave and go live with them. That's why and I'm then we're worried. Here. Then we're wondering why people are calling the police on us saying, oh, you live there? It doesn't matter how much money you make. You'll never be seen as equal. And it's sad as a DEI consultant to say that. But that's kind of the reality of the situation, that you will always be black. Doesn't matter if you're a rich black or a poor black, they just right, see black. Be black. So that's we right. need to see each other in our full humanity. Right, and then maybe they'll right. see us as their equals, the but key, we see each other as equals. The key words is humanity because that's what the Fred Hamptons was speaking of. When he was speaking, he 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 found he out that unity amongst amongst all of the uh, all of the oppressed, meaning it could be white, it could be Chinese, it could be Spanish. Yeah anything as long as you're under this system you are you are under a system of oppression you know what i mean because this pe the, the 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 elite won't want you to have anything that they got going on you know what i mean Maintaining but I wanted, the status quo. I wanted to throw something in there as far as when, it, when you talk about the um black dollar we spend we spend we spend we spend we spend the most money you know we spend the most money period um the system is built on credit and such and this, that, and the third. So they don't necessarily spend the money. They do a lot of borrowing and loaning and trusting one another. So their system is so built for them that we throw that away. So the cash that they've been hitting us, hitting the slaves, slaves off with, that, that's what that's, that's what get the money is the, the slaves. So the cash they've been getting, hitting us with that's supposed to, you know, equate to the resources, we spend the most of it. Um, but our dollars tell me how our dollars um react in our communities do it come back to us like when we put out that money do do that money come back to us all right so the first thing to your point is that black people spend four percent more annually than any other race though we are the least represented race and mm -hmm. supposedly the highest rate of poverty okay mm -hmm. so that's alarming because it means that it's going to take us like forever to ever gain the wealth equity the, the exactly to catch up but the thing is i've heard these things and i'll say what i've heard but i don't necessarily buy it because i'm not sure how you could even calculate or buy. yeah i'll just say it so it says the lifespan of a dollar in the asian community is 28 days in the jewish community it's 19 days and in the african african-american community it's approximately six hours now the reason i said i don't know if i buy this is because it's it's said over and over, but it's hard to find where the actual reference comes from. And because I'm, as a researcher, I'm like, how do you even calculate that data? When I swipe my Macy's card and someone else swipes their Macy's card, how they, they how do they know if a black person or a white person swiped it? So it's difficult to say how they analyzed it. Um, and you think about who is collecting data. So like the Federal Reserve Bank, they publish consumer surveys all the time, but it doesn't say race. The Bureau of Labor Statistics, they also publish um, patterns about race yes but it doesn't say about which communities for example what do we mean by asian community are they just saying chinese are they just saying japanese are they also including indian so then if you're using a larger group then it's not as representative as if you're just saying black and What's you know like is black black right. american so anyway so we want to just be careful about how much we play onto those numbers but the point is that we are 
when you look at where black, because there are these companies like Nielsen, for example, where black people spend their money, we spend 90% of the, the hair industry, that's where we spend our money. We buy cars, we buy clothing, we buy accessories. So we do spend more money than we make and we don't necessarily spend it here. We spend it at Saks, Bloomingdale's, and ne 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 what's, it? what's that, Marcus one? Neiman Marcus. Neiman Marcus. Yeah, that's who our black people are supposedly spending their money. So, all the major yeah. corporations, all the major yep. corporations. So, you know, as we as we you know boiling down to 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 wrapping this up in a sec, but it's not necessarily wrapping up because I think we're gonna have to you know come back on this topic down the line and um you know get a little deeper because I mean you know we touched on a lot of different things and I really think that um with even our our you know initial discussion. There were a lot of things that we did speak on. Like I said, that's the reason why I was like, we need to smile for a second because <laughs> it was getting extensive. So I don't think we touched on everything, you know, in that in that vein. But the point is, is we're talking about support. We're talking about supporting one another. We're talking about killing the killing the disunity amongst ourselves. We're talking about, um, you know, liking the page, sharing the page, you know. Take take taking part in the, the the success of your fellow black man, you know what I mean, or black feet or black woman. You know what I'm saying? If someone is if someone is selling a book, you just share the page. You don't have listen. I didn't. Nobody had told you you had to buy the book. All you got to do is pass pass the information on, and someone down may need that book, or may need that information, or may need that podcast, or may need that. You know what I mean? So. When it comes down to it, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta support one another so much more than we do. We got such a, we got such a, such, such a negative, negative, negative um take on one another that we it's hard to support one another. Joe, I think it, I think it starts with just uh, we being the masses. There's plenty of black-owned businesses and communities, but a lot of us are not in sync with each other. We look at ourselves as individualists. Like Melissa said, we look at ourselves as individual corporations. So we need to come together and collectively build our own unit and tell people, hey, if you want the best of this and it's black owned, this is where you get it from. And then people will follow. But the people who have the money, the people who have the wealth, they need to collectively come together and and, and support within their community. And if you see more people doing that, then I think the people who don't understand will start to or will start to uh, contribute. Yes. So, um. The topic, it was is extensive, and I'm glad you, um, Dr. Melissa, Dr. John, came on and spoke to the topic and spoke very well. We so appreciate everything you said. I hope to have yes. you on a few more times down the line. I, th I think this, you know, um, having you on is going to be one of our, our 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 monthly things because I want you to bring a little psychology to the to the masses, you know, because people people tend to think that they got it they got it going on and they think they got it all. <laughs> You know what I mean? Some, sometimes you have to hear it and then all of a sudden understand that, that, you know what, maybe it's something going on in my head. You know what I mean? So I think a lot, I think, you know, we gave people a little, you know, a little bit of what they need to hear about themselves as far as what we're, you know, how far back we are as far as being united, you know, how far behind the eight ball we are as being united. But um, I want you to talk about your publishing house. Um, what is Lauren, what is Lauren Simone Pubs? So I am a psychologist and I was doing research teaching little kids how the engineering design cycle works. 
and we were using literature to teach this process. It's like, here's a problem, you do these steps, and then here's a solution. So literature is exactly just that, right? Because you have a plot, you have to overcome it, you have to solve the problem. And I was looking at these books and I'm like, and I was looking at the kids, it was a Head Start program. The books and the kids did not match. The books were talking animals, talking cars, talking, you know, white people, black um, boys and girls, but the kids were immigrants, Latinos, and black kids, right? Mm -hmm. And I came home to my daughter, Olivia Lawrence, so that's who the company's named after. And I was talking to her and our older sister, Alyssa Simone. And I said, I can't believe that in 2000s, we still don't have enough diverse representation within children literature. And she said to me, mom, don't complain, be the solution. And I'm just like, mm. All right, if a little girl mm. spits that wisdom on you, you have to do something. So I wrote my first book called Occupations A to Z, which basically just told, is like a reference guide with all the different careers. But you know, when I was young, you only knew about doctor, lawyer, nurse, you know, firefighter, police, like literally like, or maybe banker. So, you know, like six occupations. But then my daughter started acting and we were meeting voiceover artists and we were meeting like animators and just all these different occupations. I was like, I want kids to learn that there's more to life than just what you see every day. So we came up with these books and then we started writing more and more and more. And as um, I started writing, people would start, started getting interested, not necessarily to support me, but to figure out how they could also do <laughs> also do it. So um, yeah, they said like, how did you do it? And I'm like, sure, I'll, I'll show you. And they're like, no, I don't wanna learn. I want you to do it for me. And that's how Lawrence yeah. Moon Publishing Company was born. And I still thought how else, besides educating youth, how else can I empower them? And I and my I met with some friends and they said, why don't you have illustrators that are themselves young people? And I was like, brilliant. And I jumped on the idea and I started recruiting young authors, young illustrators. And most of our books are written by kids like 12, 13, 14, 15. And they're written beautifully because we do have editors. We do take the time to get it properly um, you know, created. So we have paperback and we have hardcover and we're on www.laurensimonepubs.com. That is awesome. That is awesome. Well, how can how can we support continue? How can we support Lauren Simone Pubs? Tell the public. So can you support. can support me by to not spend a dollar. You can follow me on Instagram, Lauren Simone Pubs. Follow me on Twitter. Follow me on Facebook, Lauren Simone Pubs. Attend our free events every single day at six o'clock. I read a story for your for your children, right? To be empowered. You can invite, if you're a teacher, invite us to your classroom. We'll do story. If you are a blogger or podcaster, invite us to be an inter to be an interviewee. So there's so many ways that you can support us and we can support you. We can support each other. But if you are willing to spend that dollar, visit our website, buy our books and write reviews and tell other people how much you love about it. But if you can just do a simple thing, so just like liking, sharing, commenting to boost engagement, those are the things that we really value and appreciate. Yes, yes, yes. So when um, you said um, they're young, uh, they're young authors. Are there any um, older authors that you guys work with as well? So yeah, we do the whole span because our thing is all about diversity. So as long as you're like non-traditional, we will work with you. And we're also we work on children's books, but we're currently thinking about partnering with this organization that works with adult authors. So we're going to be like a sister brother team that way we can incorporate all of it okay all right joe got any more questions for uh dr dr john 
Well, you told us what we can do. How can people get in touch with you if they want to be one of those authors, if they want to contribute to your business, if they want to write a story? Well, how can they get in contact with you? Please email me at laurensimonepubs at gmail.com and I'll respond. I get I do get a lot of inquiries, so I'll respond to you within definitely two weeks. Oh, okay. All right. Send your manuscripts for review. What was one of your latest books? What was one of the latest books? Latest books. Um, I think you guys will love this one. This one is our newest one. It's called Happy Vism, and it's a form of activism by choosing joy. So the uh, idea that you know George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, all these bad things are happening, and we're marching and we're sad. But this book is about teaching black and brown boys to use their joy and not let anyone steal their joy. And was written by two educators, Ryan Parker and Justin Lopez, and illustrated by a teenager. She was at she was in high school when she started it. She's in her first year at of community college right now. Her name is Sierra Chantrell. So this is oh. her latest one. Um, the one that was published before is called The Painted Sky, which is the idea of imagine living under a dome and suddenly realizing that what you think is the sky is not the real world. Coming outside, finding the real world, coming back, telling everybody about outside and everyone's just like, we're quite content with our fake world. And that's what this conversation feels like. Like we're trying to empower people and open their eyes and people are just like, can you just leave me alone? I like living in my ignorance. I'm quite content right here. Well, so, so that was say, a children. Some people need to be that's honest it. with themselves when they come down to that. Just listen, just tell me you good with you good with just being <laughs> be, being plugged into the matrix, man. That's, that's exactly what it is. Because that's that's what the, the name the name sort of came from that same concept, plug. You know what I mean? Is is some people are plugged into the matrix, some people are plugged out of the matrix. Some people need to pl plug themselves out of the matrix and plug themselves into something better. So yeah. you know, it, it, it all is all it's all relevant. I mean, like I love the fact that you what you're doing with your publishing company. Um, are you an author yourself? Like, did you did you write a book? I did. So Olivia Lauren, Occupations A to Z. Okay. And then Olivia Travels. Okay. Then, oh, this one you guys will love. So let me tell the story about this one. This is called A Guide to Things You Wear. So Olivia and I were going to some audition or something. She was going to take some photographs. And we heard a little boy, a white boy, ask his mom what another woman was wearing. So we're in a, like, we're walking on the street. There's an Orthodox Jew family, the Muslim family, but the Black family, and then the white family. And the boy says, Mom, what is she wearing? And he points at her head. And, she, and the mom says, shh. And I was like, oh my God, that was a learning opportunity. That's where you said, son, she's wearing a hijab or a headscarf. And in certain cultures, such as the Muslim cultures, they cover their hair out of respect for their culture. That's all she has to say. But I know sometimes as a parent, you're like, shh, don't stare. You know, sometimes we're like, don't do that. So I'm not judging her in any way. Mm -hmm. But I went to the library and I was looking for books that would teach kids about what different cultures wear. And there were none. And what do they say? If you, if you don't see the book that you want to read, you write it. So this book talks about why we wear clothes. So function, culture, tradition, seasons, safety. Then it goes into like uniforms, graduation, occupations, then religion. Can you see that? And this was this was yes. done by a 13-year-old and a 16-year-old. Oh, These are done beautiful. by kids. That's cool. And they're all this is the Jew, the little Jewish boy, and then the Indian girl. And then marriage, so all the different ways that people demonstrate their love in different gowns. So we talk about saris and boo-boos, sakodas, bandalas, right? St. Patrick's Day, the um, kimono. So mm -hmm. 
if you ever get to go to Dubai, you get to see the burqa. All right. And the um, yeah. yeah, so, so it's just really John, a powerful way. Yes, Dr. John. What we got to do is we got to actually close out at some point. Mm -hmm. And it was such a beautiful time to have you on here. And what we yes. want to do is we're gonna we're gonna um have you on and speak about these books, this 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 these these things, these um different different ways that you are trying to change the world, it seems, man. You're doing a lot. You got a lot going on for yourself. Um, um, we have some people, uh, man, thank you. Thank you guys for, for chiming in, you know, saying, um, 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 people, people, people's looking at us and checking us out. Oh, I wish they called in, but we'll get that. We'll get, we'll get our first call in sooner or later. Maybe we don't, oh, absolutely. We don't get time to call in, right? We don't say call in, right? So I guess that'd work. No. Um, but remember to follow, um, to, 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 to laurensimonepubs.com, laurensimonepubs at gmail.com. We're going to give you guys a bunch of things to, to, to follow us on, you know, plug that the plug, um, um, with Molly and Joe, you know, that page is popping. Um, we got so many things going on. It's like, it's, it's crazy. This, this discussion was so amazing. This yes. discussion was so great, Doctor John. You did you did your thing. You are you are amazing. You are an amazing woman. You know, doing your thing. That book, that 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 publishing company. Trust me, that's that's a major thing for these kids, man. I'm I'm definitely gonna get some kids. I got my daughter. Yeah, she's gonna have to do something about that. You know what I mean? But with that, Listen. we appreciate you being here. And thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Hopefully, it helps a lot of people understand that. The disunity that we have amongst us is purely psychological. Cool. All right. And we Listen. got one more clip for you guys. We got one more clip for these guys, Joe. Go ahead, Joe. One more clip. Go ahead, Joe. One more clip from T E M E. All righty. Let's get it. Let's get it. Take us all off screen. <laughs> <laughs> come on. Come on. Come on there we go. There we go. everybody for tuning in to plugged i'm glad you guys got plugged in now it's yes. time to plug on out, out. that's right <laughs> peace